1: and welcome to a new podcast, The Paddock and the Pavilion, with Stephen Wallace. In each show, Stephen will interview someone connected to the world of horse racing or cricket. Hello and welcome to The Paddock and the Pavilion. Today's guest is David Hunter, the Chief Executive Officer of Fakenham Racecourse. We have reached episode 17, and after next week's cricketing show, with current Warwickshire player Oliver Hannan-Dolby, we will be taking a short break until we return in December in the lead up to Christmas. Don't forget to rate and reverse and tell your friends about the show. Let's find out more from David Hunter. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Paddock and the Pavilion, David.
0: Well, very nice to be speaking to you. Um, I'm here in Norfolk. You're down the road, if not in Newmarket, close to Newmarket. And uh, great to be your guest on today's Paddock and Pavilion on a in between grey and sunny monday morning
1: well you're a bit nearer to the last guest i spoke to um richard friedman in sydney although he said the weather down under was quite miserable there so not much change there so we've gone from the melbourne cup to national hunt racing and thank you very much for being on the show david today we're going to speak about your racing life about fakenham and about the future to start with What's life been like for a National Hunt Racing CEO since March?
0: Well, it's been um, no different from probably everybody else in the country, if not the world. Very different and very strange. But um, so we raced on the 13th of March, same day as Cheltenham Gold Cup Day was the last time we raced in the spring. And then, you know, like everybody else, we went into lockdown. Uh, We missed three race meetings at the end of the season, Easter Monday, early May meeting, and Ladies' Day at the end of May. We then had, so we had an extended racing break, spring and all through the summer and into the autumn. And we started again on the, um, the 16th of October, and have had two meetings uh, since we started again, behind, both behind closed doors, which have gone very well. A huge amount of work has gone in to get into getting to there, like every race course has, and lots of hoops to jump through with. Um, uh, to satisfy all of the quite right uh, high uh, criteria and legislation and um, um, processes and, and protocols to put on behind doors racing. But it, we've got there in the end, um, and that is the really important thing. But the, the time in between, very difficult. I mean, we we lost racing. We had no non-race day activities. I think all of us racing, you know, large assets that we like to use for as many – different income generating activities and functions as possible we also run a touring caravan and camping site at Fakenham Racecourse which my predecessor started many many years ago and uh, we were able to open that on the 4th of July along with all other sort of hospitality um, uh, businesses and that has been extremely busy you know the requirement and the, the, the demand for people having holidays at home in this country this summer the last part of summer has been huge so we're lucky we're in a, a lovely part of the country, close to some fabulous coast up on the North Norfolk um, uh, Sea there. And we did very well with extremely good, extremely good um, uh, number of people who came and and stayed with us. So we got a, a well-needed financial shot in the arm from our guests coming and staying on the caravan site.
1: Well, that's a very thorough answer there. I was going to ask you a, a couple of questions about uh, how many meetings you lost and how it's gone so far. And I noticed even at the uh, meeting you had, you've had the national hunt champion jockey Brian who's there, and uh, winners for top trainers John Joe O'Neill, David Pipe, and Donald McCain as well.
0: We have since we started racing again. I'm I'm been very pleased at the the quality of of, of uh, horses and jockeys that we've had here, and the um, the excitement of the racing. It's it's gone very well. I mean, as a a small racecourse company, we've made the decision. You know, everybody's hurting in this. COVID-stressed uh, period and, um, you know, the, the income coming in through to racing for prize money through the levy board and our media rights and things is, is uh, has, has has taken a bit of a knock. And But we as a racehorse company have made the decision, certainly for the end of this year and hopefully going into next year, to put in 75% of what we as a company would have put into prize money for the remaining fixtures. So our prize money... I think it's taken a bit of a drop, but it's still fairly fairly high and we're, we're committing twenty two and a half thousand pounds of our own company money to prize money for every fixture for uh, the foreseeable future uh, and that does mean that you know we've we've got some competitive races that possibly have got higher prize money than some other race courses in the country and and if that means we're getting um, a decent number of runners and a good quality of number of runners and riders. That's what we're wanting to do because we want it to be competitive racing, even though we haven't got the all-important members of the public here.
1: Well, that all sounds good. Can we now just go back to the beginning of your sort of racing background? And what is your first racing memory?
0: My first racing memory uh, is in Somerset. As a young boy, I should think about five or six, going my parents to point to point on a high up on the, Mendip Hills, a place called Nedge, which um, is pretty barren, and it was pouring with rain, and it's, it was our local hunt, and therefore the local point-to-point, pouring with rain. I took refuge in the back of my parents' Land Rover, and I was intrigued when a policeman stood in a pile of um, dog sick, um, and I think, he stood in that? I don't think he cared. He was probably as cold as as i was but um that was my first i i I can't remember anything about horses but i remember looking out of the back of the car and seeing a pile of dog sick and a policeman standing in it um so that was that was many years ago as a soldier i rode in a couple of point to points when i was um teaching cadets at sandhurst as a officer instructor um followed a bit in racing and other bits and pieces but really it came about that i i started here at fakenham because i moved to norfolk to work with horses not with racehorses when i left the army in, in uh, 1993 having been a soldier for 10 years and i did a lot, lot lot with horses likewise it was it was every type of horse except race horses um so that's how i ended up uh, running fake enough.
1: so can you your first day going to the races
0: uh first day at a, at a proper professional race meeting yes that would be at wincanton in about um I should think that would have been in the late 70s at Wing Canton racecourse and I also that was that was a cold wintry day I think up on the off on the hill at uh, at Wing Canton so I suppose my early my early thoughts were always that racing was in fairly cold and, uh, and wet places tending to be on tops of hills that 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 attitude has changed since so those are my uh, my my first memories of certainly of racing
1: Now you are certainly a jack of all trades at uh you're the chief executive officer clerk of the course and you're in charge of media and marketing how long have you been doing that role
0: what well, just the media and marketing
1: well all um, the role no
0: well, well I started here in um, I started at the race course in 1998 uh, and immediately you know took on all of those roles um, there were only six race meetings at, uh, in, in a year when I started and it was a smaller team but um, we built it up a little bit more uh, and more of those things have sort of come into play and uh, sort of marketing and media that then became a specialist um, job for a colleague uh, some years ago. And sadly, the, uh, the, the onset of COVID has meant that, that that job is now no longer around. So in, I'm sort of nurse mating it in the, intermediate, in the immediate time because obviously there is nothing to market at the moment within racing because we aren't able to take any paying guests. But I always have been uh, the, the chief secretary and clerk of the course. The two roles um, knocked into one uh, from day one when I started here. And You know, it's, for a smaller course, that's an achievable thing to do. For, for bigger courses, those two roles probably need to be split into two separate um, separate jobs.
1: And for listeners, some of, some of our listeners around the world, can you tell us a little bit about Fakenham Racecourse?
0: I can. So it's a small national hunt racecourse in North Norfolk. 15 miles off the North Norfolk coast and we race in the traditional racing period so from mid-October and we do squeeze through until the end of May or beginning of June and um, racing in North Norfolk national hunt racing jump racing started in 1884 uh, not on this site but over towards King's Lynn a place called East Winch Um, and it was started as a private race club And an offshoot of West Norfolk Foxhounds. It then moved in uh, 1905 to the current site here at Fakenham, and uh, it used to only have uh, Easter Monday and Whit Sunday, uh, or um, as as, uh, two race meetings a year. But that's increased a little bit. Um, We now have uh, 12 to 13 fixtures a year. Um, We're no longer no longer is it part of the West Norfolk. Uh, Foxhands uh, its no longer a private club, uh, and my directors here at Fakenham uh, don't have a financial interest in the, in the racehorse company. They, they give their time and um, time, effort and uh, support to my small staff and myself to, to make everything wrong. But we're a, a small, happy, happy course. Uh, everybody is prepared to roll up their arms and get involved in every um, aspect of what needs to be done, whether it's racing or non-racing. Uh, We have a tremendous number of annual members. We have about 950 annual members, um, sadly none of whom are able to come and watch the racing at the moment. And since um, 1884, we've had unbroken royal patronage, first with um, the Prince of Wales in 1884 and then um, uh, in due course to Um, uh, the Queen, and now um, uh, the the Prince of Wales is the patron of Fakenham. So it's a very nice link to have. um, You know, Sandringham is only 50 miles down the road for us. So um, it's a small, friendly, rural national hunt course that is purely here to put jump racing on in North Norfolk.
1: Well well said, and certainly when I've ever been to uh, Fakenham, I can confirm how friendly everyone is at the course, and um, the Queen Mother also visited uh, Fakenham.
0: She she did, indeed. Um, I'm looking at a picture uh, in my office of uh, the Queen Mother in her 100th year with, with me in the background. Um, lovely, lovely lady. It was a great privilege when she came racing. Um, the, the sadness was that I had to call the racing off earlier in the morning because there was frost in the ground. Uh, but she was up and ready to go. So she came anyway. Uh, she visited a um a group of lunch guests who were uh, having a, a charity lunch in aid of a local blind charity and then she had um a few uh, a few select few there were th- there were th- the queen mother and there were 13 others there were 14 of us having lunch with her that day and it was a very very special day it was just such a shame we didn't have horses running and if we had had horses running she would have had a horse of her own running but it, it wasn't to be but yes really lovely lady
1: and another uh- Star that uh, came to the course back in 2016 was the uh, gold medal winning cyclist, Olympic cyclist, Victoria Pendleton. That must have been quite a big day for the course as well.
0: Yes, it was. Uh, so Victoria Pendleton then was doing her, um, her challenge to make the change from to riding a horse. Her aim was to ride at the, um, uh, in the Fox Hunters at the Cheltenham Festival later on in March. Um, and and she came to us, yes, in February. It was about one of her last opportunities to qualify for the Fox Hunters. She did remarkably well. Sadly, she she fell off at the fence right in front of the stands, um, which was a great shame. Uh, She wasn't injured, thank goodness, and she did go on and and rode in at the Cheltenham Festival. But, um, you know, she is a a tremendous sportsperson and lady. She did hugely well of, of making the change from riding a bicycle to Riding a racehorse. Uh, I think she realised how jolly tough it was. As I say, it's a great shame she parted company when she was here on that day.
1: But just to remember, Victoria did finish fifth in the uh, Fox Hunters Chase at the Cheltenham Festival, so all her hard work and dedication came through in the end.
0: Absolutely, it all paid off, and a huge respect for her for having achieved that. And I think she's still, um, I don't know if she's still riding in point to points, but I'm pretty sure she's still riding out and enjoying. Uh, the buzz of sitting on race horses um, and uh, and and schooling them. So well done, her.
1: Now on this show, we often have the favourites round. So I'm just going to ask you a few favourites. So have you got a favourite horse and why?
0: Um, the favourite horse. He's sadly no longer with us. But the favourite horse that I've had dealings with was a little horse called Cool Roxy, who won uh, 11 races at Fakenham. Uh, he holds the record for the most number of races. Uh, won at Fakenham by any horse in the entire well over 100-year history of Fakenham, and um, really great little horse, only about 15-2. Most of those rides ridden by Chris Honor, uh, his jockey then. Chris now has just taken out a license to train, and, uh, and having finished his racing career, Caroxy went off and did uh, some uh, a bit of uh, low-level low uh, dressage and eventing and other bits and pieces. Uh, um, and he's a great little horse he came and he opened the bar he walked into the building and walked through red tape to open the bar named after him on a race day a few years ago Uh, and then uh, i think about 18 months two years ago sadly um, he 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 was lost when he got um, a nasty bout of colic which is a great shame
1: a bit like one of those race racehorse celebrities again like red rum and sub zero who i was talking about uh, in last week's podcast now moving on to your who would be your favourite jockey and why?
0: Who would be my favourite jockey? Gosh. Um, well, I have, uh, you know, for all of my time in um, to date in racing, um, uh, AP McCoy was already established, and uh, I think I've been very lucky to have run race courses in the era of AP. So, you know, tremendous sportsman, dedication like you've never seen it, a gentleman uh, AP would have to be up there with, with the top lot.
1: Now, as a CEO of a National Hunt uh, race course, what would be your favourite other race course?
0: Um, difficult one, but uh, it would probably be uh, Cheltenham, but not on, not over the Gold Cup period. I'm, and my wife and I really enjoy going down to Cheltenham uh, this time of year for the November meeting. Sadly, we're not going this year, but the November meeting uh, of Ch- would be my other uh, favourite uh, place to be going racing.
1: And what about your favourite other sport?
0: Um, favourite other sports. Uh, I am an avid rugby fan uh, and will always go and watch um, at least two or three or very, really all of the rugby internationals that, are, that happen at Twickenham. I'll go and watch those. My son was a very good rugby player um, when he was at school and uh, i played a bit of rugby not very well so uh, yes rugby union is my um, is my big passion
1: and since uh, the first lockdown in march um, have you learned any new hobbies have you started to play an instrument anything like that
0: no i haven't started to play an instrument um i my wife and i uh, do quite a lot of running and cycling uh, and other things so we have continued to run and cycle and do a bit more we run with our lurcher dogs and um, so we're both quite competitive on that front and and do uh, keep ourselves pretty fit along those lines we also had for virtually all a lockdown um, we had seven adults so between my wife and I we've got six adult children and we had seven of us living at home for the most of lockdown which was a lot of fun Uh, also jolly expensive on the food and, and booze bills um, but it was great fun, uh, and actually, you say about singing, we did four of us put together an appallingly bad but very amusing to do rendition of um, of Queen's "I Want to Break Free" in week two of lockdown. So um, uh, there is somewhere on YouTube. There's an amusing bit of of uh, of some of us possibly in drag um, doing a video clip of and singing along to that.
1: Well, that sounds something uh, good to look out for on YouTube. Uh, looking to the future, what are the biggest challenges at the moment for Fakenham Racecourse? And are you worried about the future of the racecourse?
0: So the big challenges are to, um, uh, to continue to ensure that we're able to put the racing on, uh, to be well prepared and um, fully prepared to accept and welcome back um, members of the public just as soon as we can. Uh, and uh, I'm not worried about the race course, no, we're in a, a, a good position, you know, if we're still in the same position, um, you know, as we go into autumn next year, then that's going to be very difficult for everybody, not just in racing, but throughout the throughout, throughout the economy of the country, if not the world, uh, so I'm not going to dwindle on that, otherwise it would be far too, far too depressing, but no, we're in a good position, you know, we've only just started this season, so I'm looking forward to the season as it unfolds, it always uh, brings up its own challenges. It brings up its highlights and some low points, and one just has to take those on the chin and keep running with them. So um, we're in a good position. I've got a great team that work with me here. I'm very lucky about that. And uh, and we are as best placed as anybody could be to, to ride out the COVID storm.
1: Well, that's very good news to hear. Now, when we finally get out of the uh, pandemic COVID, uh, How do you think that racing can reach out to a wider audience?
0: Well, I think that um, I think racing does a pretty good job at the moment. You know, uh, we can never be sit on our laurels and think, have we got everywhere? But actually, you know, it is a it is a sport that that reaches far and wide. Um, I just think that what uh, we need to be continually doing is trying to um, to enlighten that, you know, a younger generation come along and give it a go, see if you like it, you know, we should never say, never say no about something until we've given it a chance. And um, that's not an easy thing to do. You know, we have offered to younger groups, whether it's be young farmers, or universities, or colleges, or whatever it is to come racing, um, you know, to, to and and it's been difficult for them to commit. That is the big problem is that I think that we, you know, we, those of us who are running race meetings need a commitment from whatever group or whatever it is who's going to come, that they will come. And I'm here talking about, you know, um, uh, younger people, as I say, at either university or or young farmers, so we know whom are going to to come. But it's a real difficult issue amongst younger generation to make any commitment to anything. They like to keep their diaries. Well, they don't have diaries. That's why they can't commit. (laughs) Um, but they never they never say yes that's what happened it's, it's almost that they have to keep everything open until the last minute so you know that can be frustrating as a father uh, and it can be just as frustrating when running a business
1: i asked that question as well because um i read uh, somewhere and i know we might be quite a few years away from this but you were posing the question whether there could be racing on the beach at norfolk like there is in lay town in ireland
0: yeah that is something that um before covid came along it's something that um leaked out into the press a little bit it's a, it's an it's a uh, an ambition and a uh something and i am looking at i'd love to try and achieve it uh i don't know if it'll ever be possible because of the the um you know the it is it is the 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 relief of the norfolk beaches and things and finding the correct beach and making sure it's safe and, and all that kind of stuff. But um, it's it's an aspiration I've had. Uh, it's all on hold at the moment until we get through COVID. And then hopefully once we're through COVID, it might be something that we can then look at again. Um, but something like that would be a tremendous way of, of um, I think, bringing a new um, public into racing and seeing how they, uh, what it's like. You know, I've been to Laytown. I should have gone to Laytown again this year, but we've had to call it off. Um, and I'm hopefully next year going to go to some of the other beach races in uh, France and Spain to see how see how they do. It. But I think that, you know, if um, if you could have you've got a, a beach racing day, you've got lay in France. If We could find somewhere to do have one in England, have one that's in Wales and have one in a, a day's racing on the beach in in Scotland. You've got a four nations thing there. You could then have France. You have five nations. You know, sound like my rugby enthusiasm coming through.
1: Yeah, definitely. It sounds a very interesting concept. I didn't didn't realise that there was beach racing in Spain and France.
0: Yes, there is. Yeah, yeah. Haven't been to them yet, but yes, there are.
1: Because at Laytown they get very big crowds, don't they?
0: They they do. They get pretty big crowds, and it it was tremendous um tremendous uh, atmosphere at Laytown. I would really recommend to anybody to um to go over and and sample the fun of. Racing on the beach at Laytown, it, it was great fun. And as I say, we w- we would have been there this year, but we'll be back there next year. And
1: isn't that run once a year in September?
0: It is once a year in September. The date and the time of the racing is all a little bit of a movable feast, depending on the tide and, what, and the, the tides and the levels of the tide and when is most suitable. But it's it's around that time, so it would have been second of September this year. But yeah, it's a uh, it, it's it's a good crack, um, and I'd love to find. Might even be that you know. North Norfolk isn't the right place for it. If I can't find the right sort of, you know, you've got to find really safe, consistent uh, sand and ground. For it. And then, you have, you know, an element of easily accessible infrastructure to, for, you know, to put things up that need to be done. There need to be um, the uh, full cooperation of British authority to see whether it can happen. Um, you know, you, you can't have the same. Level of um, stabling and other things. It would be more like a point to point on the beach, in as far as the infrastructure is there. But, you know, got to give it a go.
1: Well, the best of luck with that. That sounds like a very interesting idea that uh, hopefully one day will come to fruition. Thank you very much for being on the paddock and the pavilion, and hope all goes well in the future for race Racecourse.
0: Well, Stephen, nice to speak to you. Um, Look forward to catching up with you in in the flesh later on in in the year or next year. Uh, and been a real pleasure to to, um, to speak to you and I hope your followers um, have, have got some a little bit of fun out of our chat today. I've certainly enjoyed speaking with you.
1: I'm sure they will. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to The Paddock and the Pavilion. You can download the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Pad and Pad.